welcome to a brand new episode of Storytime Madness. Today we're going to read pages 51 to 55 of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. These pages are contained within stave 3 of A Christmas Carol. So before we begin, as we have done in the last three episodes before this, we are starting with our Christmas Mystery Word Challenge. So, our mystery word today is seven letters long. Okay. And the fourth letter in the word is W. So, W. W. Seven letters long, fourth letter W. So if you think you know what the word is, then please go to our Instagram page. There'll be a post on there with the answer and make a comment to the post if you know what it is. Our Instagram page is all lowercase, all joined together. Let's talk podcasts 2023. And you will find all our posts on there. So make sure to do that. So let's get on with reading the story. Sit back, <coughs> relax, and enjoy. But soon the steeples called good people all, churches and chapel, and away they came, flotting, flocking through the streets in their best clothes and their gayest faces and at the same time there emerged from scores of by streets lanes and nameless turnings innumerable people carrying their dinners to the baker's shops the sight of these poor revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much for he stood with scrooge beside him in a baker's doorway and taking off the covers as their bearers passed, sprinkled incense on their dinners from his torch. And it was a very uncommon kind of torch, for once or twice, when there were angry words between some dinner carriers who had jolted each other, he shed a few drops of water on them from it, and their good humour was restored directly. For they said it was a shame to quarrel upon Christmas Day, and so it was. God love it, so it was. In time the bell ceased, and the bakers were shut up, and yet there was a shadowing, a genial shadowing forth of all these dinners and the progress of their cooking in the thawed blotch of wet above each baker's oven, where the pavement smokes, as if its stones were cooking too. Is there a particular flavour in what you sprinkle from the torch? asked Scrooge. There is my own. Would you like to apply any kind of dinner on this day? asked Scrooge. To any kindly given, to a poor one most, why to a poor one most, asked Scrooge. <clears throat> because he needs it most. Spirit, said Scrooge, after a moment's thought. 
I wonder you... All of the beings in the many worlds about us should desire to cramp these people's opportunities of incessant enjoyment. I cried the spirit. You would deprive them of their means of every... Of dining every seventh day, often the only day on which they can be said to dine at all, said Scrooge, wouldn't you? I cried the spirit. You seek to close these places on the seventh day, said Scrooge, and it comes to the same thing. I seek, exclaimed the spirit. Forgive me if I'm wrong. It has been done in your name, or at least in that of your family, said Scrooge. There are some upon this earth of yours, returned the spirit, who lay claim to know us, and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill, Ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, who are as strange to us, and all are kith and kin, as if they had never lived. Remember that, and charge their doings on themselves, not us. Scrooge promised that he would, and they went on, invisible, as they had been before, into the suburbs of the town. <coughs> it was a remarkable quality of the ghost, which Scrooge had observed at the baker's. That notwithstanding his gigantic size, he could accommodate himself to any place with ease, and that he stood beneath a low roof quite as gracefully and like a supernatural creature, and it was possible he could have done it in a lofty hall. And perhaps it was a pleasure the good spirit had in showing of this power of his, or else it, ha it was his own kind, generous, hearty nature, and his sympathy with all poor men that led him straight to Scrooge's clerk, for there he went and took Scrooge with him, holding to his robe, and on the threshold of the door the spirit smiled and stopped to bless Bob Cratchit's dwelling with a sprinkling of his torch. Think of that! Bob had but fifteen Bob a week himself. He pocketed on Saturdays, but fifteen copies of his Christian name, and yet the ghost of Christmas present blessed his four-roomed house. Then up rose Mrs. Cratchit, Cratchit's wife, dressed out but poorly in a twice-turned gown, but brave in ribbons which are cheap and make a goodly show for sixpence, and laid the cloth assisted assisted by Bellina Cratchit, second of her daughters, also brave in ridden, ri ribbons, while Master Peter Cratchit plunged a fork into the saucepan of potatoes and getting the corners of his monstrous shirt collar, Bob's pri private property, conferred upon his son and an and heir in honour of the day into his mouth, rejoiced to find himself so gallantly attired, and yearned to show his linen 
in the fashionable parks. And now two smaller Cratchits, boy and girl, came tearing in, screaming that outside the bakers they smelt the goose and know it for their own. And basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, these young Cratchits danced about the table. <laughs> and exalted Master Peter Cratchit to the skies, while he, not proud, although his collars nearly choked him, blew the fire until the slow potatoes bubbling up knocked loudly at the saucepan lid to be let out and peeled. What has ever got your precious father then? said Mrs. Cratchit. <laughs> and your brother, Tiny Tim, and Martha, weren't as late as this last Christmas day by half an hour. Here's Martha, mother, cried a girl, appearing. As she spoke. Here's Martha Mother, cried the two young Cratchits. Hurrah! There's a goose, Martha. Why, bless your heart alive, my dear. How late you are, said Mrs. Cratchit, kissing her a dozen times and taking off her shawl and bonnet for her with officious zeal. We'd a deal of work to finish up last night, replied the girl. We had to clear it away this morning, Mother. Well, never mind so long as she came, said Mrs. Cratchit. Sit down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm Lord bless. No, no, there's fathers coming, cried the two young Cratchits, who were everywhere at once. Hide, Martha, hide! So Martha hid herself, and in came little Bob, the father with at least three feet of comforter exclusive of the fringe hanging down before him and his threadbare robes darned up and brushed to look seasonable and Tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Alas for Tiny Tim, he bore a crutch and had his limbs supported by an iron frame. Why, where's our mother? <clears throat> cried Bob Cratchit. Looking around, uh, uh, <clears throat> she's uh, she's not coming," said Mrs. Cratchit. "Not coming," said Bob, with a sudden declension in his high spirits, for he had been Tim's blood horse all the way from church and had come home rampant. "Not coming upon Christmas Day." Martha didn't like seem disappointed, if it were only in joke, so she came out prematurely from behind the closet door and ran into his arms, while the two young Cratchits hustled Tiny Tim and bore him off into the wash house, that he might hear the pudding singing in the copper. And how did little Tim behave? Asked Mrs. Cratchit when she had ra rallied Bob on his agility, and Bob had hooked his daughter to his heart's content.
As good as gold, said Bob. And better. Somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much. And thinks the strangest things you've ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped that people saw him in church. Because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day. Who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Bob's voice was tremulous when he told them this, and trembled more when he said that Tiny Tim was growing strong and hearty. His active little crutch was heard upon the floor, and back came Tiny Tim before another word was spoken, escorted by his brother and sister to his stool before the fire, and while Bob, turning up his cuffs as if, poor fellow, they were capable of being made more shabby, compounded some hot mixture in a jug with gin and lemons, and stirred it round and round, and put it on the hob to simmer. Master Peter and the two abicuous young Cratchits went to fetch the goose, with which they soon returned in high procession. Such a bushel ensued that you might have thought a goose, the rarest of all birds, a feathered phenomenon, to which a black swan was a matter of course, and in truth it was something very like it in the house. Mrs. Cratchit made the gravy ready beforehand in a little saucepan, hissing hot. Master Peter mashed the potatoes with incredible vigour. <clears throat> Miss Bellina sweetened up the apple sauce. Marth dusted the hot plates. Bob took Tiny Tim beside him in a tiny corner at the table. The two young Cratchits sat chairs for everybody, not forgetting themselves and mounting guard upon their posts, crammed spoons into their mouthfuls, lest they should shriek for goose before their turn came to be helped. At last the dishes were set on, and grace was said. It was succeeded by a breathless pause, as Mrs. Cratchit, looking slowly along the carving knife, prepared to plunge it into the breast. But when she did, and when the long-expected gush of stuffing issued forth, one murmur of delight arose all around the board, and even Tiny Tim, excited by the two young Cratchits, beat on the table with the handle of his knife, and feebly cried, Hurrah! <clears throat> there, were n there never was such a good goose. Bob said he, had he didn't believe there ever was such a goose cooked. It its tenderness and flavour, size and cheapness, were the themes of universal admiration. Eked out by apple sauce and mashed potatoes, it was a sufficient dinner for the whole family, indeed, as Mrs. Cratchit said with great delight, surveying one small atom of a bone upon the dish. They hadn't ate it all at last. Yet everyone had had enough, and the youngest Cratchits in particular were steeped in sage and onion to their eyebrows. But now the plates being changed by Miss Bellina, Miss Cratchit left the room alone too nervous to bear witnesses to take the pudding up and bring it in. Suppose 
it should not be done enough. Suppose it should break in turning out. Suppose somebody should have got over the wall of the backyard and stolen it while they were merry with the goose. A supposition at which the two young Cratchits became livid. All sorts of horrors were supposed. <clears throat> Hello, a great deal of steam. The pudding was out of the copper. A smell like a washing day. That was the cloth. A smell like an eating house and a pastry cook's next door to each other with a laund laun laundrette's next door to that. That was the pudding. In half a minute, Mrs. Cratchit, Mrs. Cratchit entered, flushed, but smiling proudly with the pudding, l like a speckled cannonball, so hard and firm, blazing in half of half a quartern of ignited brandy, and bedight with Christmas holly stuck into the top. Oh, a wonderful pudding! Bob Cratchit said, and calmly too, they regarded it as the greatest success achieved by Mrs. Cratchit since their marriage. Mrs. Cratchit said that now the weight was off her mind, she would confess she had her doubts about the quantity of flour. Everybody had something to say about it. Nobody said or thought it was at all a small pudding for a large family. It would have been flat to do so. Any Cratchit would have blushed to hint at such a thing. At last, the dinner was all done. The cloth was cleaned, the hearth swept, and the fire made up, the compound in the jug being tasted and considered perfect. Apples and oranges were put upon the table, and a shovel full of chestnuts were on the fire. Thank you for listening to this episode of Storytime Madness. We hope you enjoyed this. That's all from us today. If you think you know the mystery word from the beginning of the episode, it's a reminder that it's seven letters long, and the fourth letter long is W. So if you think you know what the word is, go to our Instagram page, uh, all join together let's talk podcast 2023 or send us a voice message via the link in the episode description um but if you don't know the word don't worry about it there'll be another word next episode um and see if you can guess that one thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to read you another story very soon bye bye